I'm Kristen, and this is the Explorer in You podcast. Now, what I've discovered after visiting five continents and some amazing places is that the greatest thing standing in your way of seeing the world is what you believe is possible. I believe that travel is for everyone on any budget, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So this podcast is all about unlocking the Explorer in you. You'll hear stories from people who will inspire you to set big travel goals and show you how to achieve them. Let's explore. Hey there, listeners. Now, this is the 10th episode of the Explorer and You podcast, which is a mini milestone, but still super exciting. And I just wanted to say, if you're one of those people who tunes in every week to listen, a huge, huge thank you. And if this is your first time listening, well, lucky you, you can go back and binge listen to all the other nine episodes. But I just wanted to give a big thank you to all of you who are supporting this show. It means a lot to me. Okay, so traveling with kids looks a lot different than traveling without them. And I've gotten several requests from the moms in my audience to please do a show about how to travel with kids. So this is it. I know a lot of parents want to continue to travel after they have kids. But A lot of the messaging out there is pretty much if you have little ones, your traveling days are over. Well, that's why I really wanted to talk to Monet Hambrick. She's the founder of The Traveling Child, a blog dedicated to how to travel with your kids. She has two adorable children and she's taken them all around the world. I think they've been to six continents and... Some of the destinations you wouldn't think are quote unquote kid friendly. She has tons of knowledge about how to make traveling as a family achievable. I hope you enjoy the show. And of course, because this is a show about kids, you'll hear a cameo from one of Monet's adorable kids. So if you're a parent or even someone like me who doesn't have kids, but you know, you might be vacationing with your family or friends who have kids, Monet answers all your burning questions about how to make traveling with kids feel easy. Hi, Monet. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm, I'm not a mom, but a lot of My listeners are moms, and I've gotten a lot of requests. Can you please do a show on how to travel with kids? And I get it. I think traveling with adults is so much different than traveling with children. Um, And I can see that they're just kind of trying to wrap their brains around, like, what does that look like traveling with kids? And how do I make that an enjoyable experience for everyone? So I, I totally get it. And that's why I really wanted to talk with you today, um, because I know that all the mamas in my audience, um, they're going to get a lot, a lot out of this. And I actually crowdsourced like 90% of my questions from them because I figured, well, who better to ask the burning questions than them? So, and they actually gave me some, I thought, really great, great questions. But I, I love your motto of if kids live there, kids can visit. I mean, it's true. It's like, well, what do people do there uh, who have kids? Exactly. That is exactly why that's my model, because, you know, I do get questions a lot on what are kid-friendly places to go or what place do you recommend for an XYZ-year-old? And 
And my thing is really, if kids live there, kids can visit because as you said, if kids, if kids live there, that means their parents have to have something for them to do. Right. So of course, unless like, you know, unfortunately, unless it's like a war stricken country or zone, like you can go take your kids anywhere you want to. We have taken our kids to six continents. So they've been wow. on any type of adventure that you can possibly think of. And some of the places that people probably least consider kid-friendly have been some of the most kid-friendly places. And I'm using air quotation marks because mm -hmm. I don't really believe in kid-friendly. Um, okay. but, but for what most people think of when they think of kid-friendly, those places that they think are least kid-friendly end up being the most. Okay. That's really interesting um, about kid-friendly, that, that term. We, we'll get into that because I'm curious. Um, okay. I, I want you to define that or what, what you think about that. Um, but can we start with um, you sharing a little bit about the traveling child and your journey as a travel blogger? Yeah, I started my travel blog back in 2016, actually at the recommendation of a friend um, who had came over. She you know, at that point, I had my older daughter, she was 21 months, and we had gone to Greece, we had gone to Italy, Jamaica, throughout the United States, and when she came over to visit, I was preparing to go to Colombia with both daughters. My second one was like nine weeks at the time, so we'd be going to Colombia, to Cartagena and Medellin when she was 10 weeks, and she was like, you should really start an Instagram about your novels, and I was like, no, thank you. You know, I just thought that Honestly, it'd be seen as pain. Like I was, you know, showing off like, oh, look at us traveling, you know. And she mm -hmm. was like, I don't even have kids, but I hear all the time parents talking about how their life is going to be over once they have kids, they can't do this and they can't do that. And you see all these, you know, articles that are written by magazines that say, travel now while you're young and single, before you get married, before you have kids. And she's mm -hmm. like, but you are married and you have kids and you're doing all of that stuff still. So I think you showing other parents doing you doing it will be so powerful to them. So I thought about it and that's how I started it. And I just wanted it to be something that was more than just pictures. So, you know, we provide tips on how to travel with kids. We provide the full itineraries for every trip that we go on to our audience on our website, 100% free of charge to make it easier for parents because I know I'm type A and I love to plan, but I know everyone's not like that. So <laughs> same then, here. <laughs> yeah. So then being able to have that information at the tip of their fingers on for playing with kids or, you know, the itinerary that we literally copied and have it planned. Um, is just something that I love doing. And I love sharing that with our community. So that's how it started. Um, and now I'm so thankful to my friend Paula for making me start it because my life would not be anything like it's now without it. So super right. thankful. That. Great friend. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I feel like it's 2016 isn't that long ago. And I feel like you've grown pretty fast. And I think that speaks to, like you're saying, like there is that a huge need. There are a lot of parents asking the same question and getting messages like, your traveling life is over when you have families. And I think so much of us value travel and exploring and, um, you know, don't want to be, want to share that with our families and don't want to be told like, oh, that's it. You know, <laughs> they want to exactly. see something else. And then even if you don't have kids, 
I found myself camping this summer with five teenagers, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, and a baby. And there were only three adults and only one of us was a mom. So it was like, okay, you know, like for someone like me, I'm very close to my family and, you know, we're, we're close and, and we'll, we'll travel together. So it's, it's kind of like, you need to, if you don't have your own kids, but you know, you have kids in your family, you're, you're going to want to like know how to like make that easier, especially cause I'm like you, I'm, I'm the type A planner. Um, so I can't help, but help plan these trips. <laughs> it's, it's definitely yeah. helpful. These things will be helpful I, for even me, I, I know. Are there systems that you have in place that just generally makes traveling with kids easier? So for me, it's really just about incorporating things that they enjoy doing. So, you know, when I, when I was talking about like kid-friendly earlier, we do sometimes, but you'll find that most of our itineraries don't include like do worship museums or things like that. And the reason is because honestly, we can do that at home. And yes, some of the museums are different, but unless it's like a really spectacular children's museum and we kind of have like a rest day or that's like a little extra activity to me, that's not what we like to do when we're traveling. But we still want to do things that are super enjoyable for our kids, but that also teach the culture of the destination. So for instance, my girls absolutely love to dance and they love to cook. So on every one of our trips, we incorporate a dance class and a cooking class. And it's something where we all get to learn about, you know, the culture and so much of culture has to do with food, especially in different countries. And we get to learn about that culture as well, but the kids are doing something that they love to do. And if they're doing something that they love to do, it's going to be easier for us as parents because they are happy. You show these kids an apron and oh my God, they're like, they just light up. So we do things like that. And the same thing for dance. Like when we went to Brazil, we took samba lessons. When we went to Cuba, we took salsa lessons and they love music and they love to dance, but we're all getting an experience that is just fun for the adults and the kids. So that is like that compromise between maybe if we go to, you know, an adult's museum that is not as interesting to them, they're like, okay, either, okay, well, we just did something we really love to do, or we know mm -hmm. we're going to do this tomorrow that we love to do. Um, so that makes it, that makes it easier just incorporating them in, in our itinerary and making sure that we're doing something that they love. Yeah. I, I love that, that you're considering them. I mean, they're just as important, an important part of the family unit as, you know, any, anyone else and almost exactly. a little more so because, you know, we can manage as adults, we can manage our expectations and ourselves, but, you know, kids aren't really in that place yet. You know, they need us to help them with that. So is it, is it worth taking your kids on vacation when they won't remember the trip like you mentioned you took your daughter at, at nine weeks and how do you think they benefit from that experience yeah so that's one thing people say all the time like you're wasting your money traveling with your kids so young they're never gonna remember but honestly for me it doesn't matter if they remember or not because I'm still their mom and their dad is their dad and those are memories that us as adults will cherish as well you know so 
while we do take them on these because we we do believe that it does shape them as a human being all than just learning about different cultures understanding different foods knowing that people speak different languages and look differently and knowing that that's okay because a lot of times people live in an area where maybe they're, they everyone around them looks like them so even if they won't remember you know there are so many things that they're learning from that because they're seeing people that don't look like they're hearing languages that they don't speak at home, smelling foods or eating foods that they don't get at home. All these things I feel still shifts them into being the humans that they'll end up being, you know? Um, and, and it's not just for them, it's for, for me as a parent as well, just spending that time in those memories with my child, whether they remember or not. And I know this is kind of cynical, but, you know, when people say, why do you travel and won't remember? Well, it's the same reason why we read kids stories when they're young too, because they're not going to remember mm. either, but it's still just something that you do with them. It's still something that shapes them, you know, as the parent, when you read to your child, the, the likelihood of them wanting to read, loving to read improves it's the same thing you know so even though they're too young they, they won't remember every day but there's still moments of that trip that will make an impact on their life in the future right. so whether you see it in a week or you notice it in a year but you know we went to thailand in 2017 so my daughter my youngest daughter was two at the time mm -hmm. um she wasn't quite yet three and she still remembers that trip and about it to this day. When wow. we go to a Thai restaurant, she says Sodika, which means hello in Thai. And that was something she learned in Thailand. And she remembers, she doesn't remember everything about the trip, but those moments that were so spectacular to her, she remembers every single part of it. Mm -hmm. And she's six now, you know, she was two then. So things that make a big impact, um, and as we see in these times, especially with coronavirus, literally things that you love to do to be taken away at home. So I'm a full believer in doing what you can when you can right. and not waiting because you never know what the future holds. When you were talking, it reminded me of like, you know, pregnant women, sometimes they'll play music on their belly. You know, it's like, we don't know if that has an impact, but sometimes some women do it because of the chance that it might you know, shape them in some way or. Exactly. And your point about the fact that, you know, you are that child's mom and you having enriching experiences, you know, and experiences that are meaningful. I mean, that, that just helps you bring like your full self to the, as a parent, right. To the, to parenting. So I think that's a great point. Exactly. Because yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at those pictures later on. I remember these amazing times that I had with my child, whether they remember that or not. Mm -hmm. Just like, unfortunately, when I get older, I may start losing my memory, and then they'll remember things. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I mean, realistically, as an adult, like if you ask me what I ate for dinner last week Monday, I have no idea, but I ate it. So you right. know, it's 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 really more about the experiences in that moment too. Um, and seeing the joy that it brings us as a family is, is right. more important than whether they remember every aspect. And then, so what are, what would you say are toddler or kid-friendly international destinations? And can you think of any places that you would avoid? Yeah, so for me, it goes back to like, if kids live, kids can visit. So for us, really the only places that we avoid are like places that are in turmoil that I myself wouldn't go with. 
myself. Mm-hmm. So any place that I would go, I take my my kids with me. We took them to Kenya when they were two and four years old, and we spent eight days in Kenya. And one of the safari people that will tell you taking young kids on a safari is the dumb thing ever. But for us, it was like, one, it's way cheaper when they're that age because they're like 25% of the cost, <laughs> the whole 100%. Right. Uh, they are absolutely amazed and stunned by seeing these animals in the wild and they were just enthralled and so excited to be there. And we went to like um, a Masamara tribe and to their village and saw them. And my daughters still talk about how they taught them how to make fire. Like, I mean, I guess, I don't know if fire from scratch is the correct <laughs> term but like they, they taught them how to make fire and they still talk about that and most people will say I would never take my young child to Kenya you know but we had the most amazing time ever so for it's really finding destinations that speak to us um that we're interested we we just spent Thanksgiving in Morocco wow. when my girls were five and three years old and we went to the Sahara Desert. We went Chef Sean. We went literally, me and my daughter spent two weeks there. My husband and my older daughter came when she got out of school for break and they spent a week. And yeah, I mean, we we spent the night in a tent camp for two nights in the Sahara Desert. And it was amazing. And there were other people with kids there too. And a lot of people, you know, wouldn't consider that. You know, Morocco mm-hmm. is a destination that you take toddlers either, but I think sometimes we we have a lot of limitations on ourselves, not realizing like how fun things can be. And like in Morocco, that's one of the places where we felt the most welcome with kids. I feel like in the United States, unfortunately, families aren't valued. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always like shut upon if you take your child to like fancy restaurant or certain places, it's like, oh, this is not for kids. We're in other countries. I've always seen it as like, kids are like the the glue that holds a family together they're welcome everywhere and people love to see them around and they cater to you we went to thailand and literally i don't think i took care of my kids the entire time except when we were like actually in our room like literally <laughs> every single tour guide was like oh no no they can yes i will I will pull him while they're walking. No, no, don't pick them up. I will pick them up. Like we want to make sure you as, as the parents are also having a good time. We will indicate like, I'm going to go, you know, thing over here. I know it's going to like entertain them or whatever. Like in other places, I just find that they find kids, like kids are so important. Like they cherish so them. Important. Yes. They cherish them so much that they're not seen as, Oh, yeah, they're not seen as that. Also for me, we prefer traveling internationally, even because of that, because Mm. of how much other countries value children and they, them, they, they embrace them and they, they love seeing you with them. So they're never seen as a problem. That is such an interesting perspective. And myself and a lot of parents are basing it on how we are in the U.S. and we really aren't that kid friendly. You have to keep in mind that other countries have a different approach to family, to you know their ideas about kids and how much they're incorporated into your life. And I think that's an important thing to remember or even be aware of that 
the experiences that you have in the U.S. aren't necessarily going to look like what you have in another country. And you won't really know that until you go, <laughs> until you try it. You know, America, we're supposed to be this amazing developed country and we don't even have paid maternity leave. Whereas in other countries, women get a year off at 90 to 100% of their pay, you know? So, and that speaks a lot to our values. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I mean, now, now there is a comfort level, you know, especially if you, if you, if you're not used to traveling just in general, and then you're going on this huge trip a first time for yourself and then with your kids, there is definitely like a comfort level. So what I recommend people is taking into consideration certain things. One, uh, do you feel more comfortable going to a destination that speaks the language that you speak? You also may be going to a country where English is is one of their, you know, their top languages. So maybe you want to go to the UK or even like in Kenya, English is actually one of their, their national languages. So pretty much everyone in Kenya speaks English. So maybe going someplace that you 100% feel comfortable with the language and there won't be a language barrier or a place where, you know, if you're not comfortable taking public transportation, maybe you're not going to a city that relies on public transportation where you're going to be going on and off buses or trains or subways with kids. If you don't feel comfortable with that, you know, if you prefer to be going to a destination where you can rent a car and have your car seat and doing all those things, understanding too that in other, some countries like car seats aren't necessarily a thing. So when you're going certain places, making sure that you're comfortable with alternatives. So those are definitely things to consider because I think those are more of a comfort level of your travels. But if you're comfortable traveling, I don't really think there are limitations on where you can bring your kids. But I definitely would say um, taking take those things into consideration. And then, so you touched on this a little bit um, about in terms of you know, how do you determine if a place is safe to bring your kids? And it's basically some, if, if you wouldn't go yourself, you're, you're not going to bring your kids. If it's like a country that's in conflict, then, you know, it's like a no brainer. We're not going to go to that place. Exactly. And then a child has like extenuating circumstances or maybe like allergies or, you know, like like that something that is really important. And you want to make sure wherever you're traveling, like there's a hospital or care center near to where you're staying, that you have that information because those, of course, bring into lots of other factors, you know, insurance and and know where the nearest hospital is to where you're staying. Um, But if you know that you or anyone in your family has underlying conditions, then you don't want to go somewhere where the nearest hospital is an hour and a half away. So look at those things like that, I would say, you know, have to do it safety too. And then, so how do you deal with like, and I don't know if your kids are past this stage, but um, how do you deal with nap times while traveling, especially, I know you have two kids. I mean, they could possibly be on different nap schedules. What does that look like? So the younger you are, the easier for me it was because like baby age, they're just going to sleep whenever they want to anyway. And for younger kids, I'm a team carrier all the way. So Literally, when it was time to nap, my child would just fall asleep in the carrier and I would just keep going on. I remember I went to um, Europe with my girls by myself. They were one and three. And we did um, in seven cities and five countries. 
And just me and the two of them, I remember I had my shoulder and the carrier and then like my little one. When she was tired, she just went to sleep. And I just like put the shoulder in the Mona Lisa so she could still get a picture (laughs) with it. You were there, you were sleeping. You were there, you walked out. It was not time, but you were sleeping, you were there. And, you know, when they're young like that, you have a carrier, if you have a shoulder, like you can honestly continue your day. We never, we never made it a point when they were like younger to have a nap in a specific place with a specific lighting or specific, you know, white noise and things like that. So I think that helped a lot too. Um, since we did start traveling with them young, we were always out and out. I mean, I took my, my youngest daughter to Australia at eight months. So she was just in the carrier and she would just go to sleep when she was tired and she gets anywhere um, because she was used to always being out and about. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're like that, then that's the easiest way to carry a stroller. And then my stroller is the one I can uh, lean back so they can like lay down more flat. And I just keep it moving. Just have to organize your day around it. So maybe you do a morning activity earlier in the morning. That way you can get back to your hotel or Airbnb or vacation home for a time. And then back to the after, or you know, schedule your activity for for the afternoon after they've had their nap times. So there's definitely multiple ways that you can you can make it work. Yeah, and um, you, my sister has three kids, and she was similar. Like they were never noise sensitive, right? Like there was always stuff going on because it wasn't like shut down the house because baby's sleeping. It was like. Well, <laughs> life's going on and, you know, if you fall asleep, <laughs> you probably fall asleep. Uh, but I think that probably helps when you're uh, tra- tremendously when you're traveling because there's always stuff going on. If you're in an airport or you're standing in line or just just the constant, you know, stimulation is there. So um, and then so what do you do? Like, say you've bought tickets to an experience and then either your kids maybe having a meltdown or they're just having a tough time. Have you encountered that and have you had to like just skip it or do you try and get a refund or how do you handle that when you have something set, you know, that you've purchased tickets for and it doesn't seem like it's going to work out? Yeah, so if I'm already there, I try to diffuse the situation as best as I can. But especially if I'm doing something and it's not a private tour, the last thing I want to do is inconvenience people that are there and have paid. So I'll step aside. And if I step aside and 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 we still can't figure it out, then yeah, unfortunately, I'll have to walk away. Um, if it's before an event, like I definitely had instances happen where ended up being someone was sick like mm. my daughter we were in coastal and she ended up getting sick and we had tickets um I had pre-tickets so when I got there I just explained the situation to them and asked them if they could refund the ticket and then it's really up to them or not so in that situation me and my older daughter ended up going and my husband they and they were nice enough and they refunded you know our the two tickets of course, they didn't have to. They maybe offer you to reschedule everybody. Um, that's right. it's it is a case by case basis because it's it's dependent on who you booked through and what the policy is, and sometimes what they can what they can feasibly do. I mean, if you're exactly. traveling, if you have a like say a tour with the, like a small local company, I mean, they might really need that money. So. Um, 
Yeah, you're right. It just right. depends on case by case basis. What do you do if your kid is a picky eater? It sounds like your kids have cooked and eaten all over the world. So you probably don't have that problem, but. Well, my younger one definitely miss mac and cheese. Everywhere we go, mac and cheese. I'm like, they don't have mac and cheese. You're going to get something else. And then like she'll find a little fry and then eat the butt. But snacks, listen, we all know our kids, snacks. Got it. No shit my game. We travel places. I normally have one backpack that I'm playing that is literally just filled with all of our favorite snacks. Because Smart. not just a picky eater, not just a picky eater, but it's like we just ate breakfast 10 minutes ago and then we leave the house and then the hotel or wherever. And then all of a sudden you're hungry and I don't understand. You may eat like 20 minutes after breakfast instead of like at lunchtime. <laughs> so... Even for that, it's like snacks, you know, having something that really even honestly that we from home because we do go, you know, we've gone grocery shopping in other countries, but to be honest, sometimes they just don't have everything that really want or that your kids are used to. So mm -hmm. literally bring their favorite snacks from home, pack it in a backpack filled. And when hangry child comes around or wants to eat before everyone else is ready for lunch, throw the snack at that. And if it, if it still happens to be that we choose to eat some, you know, somewhere that they really will not eat anything or like we've ordered that thing and they won't eat it. Like sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Here's a snack. There you go. Right. <laughs> Enjoy that because that's what you're getting. Want, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes they just want to do what they want to do, you know, and in some places it's easier to, to find something else that they will eat than other places. Right. So right. Go-to snacks. Is, yeah, is what and is. I have to say, like as an adult, I need my snacks because the hangry is real when <laughs> I'm out, exactly. not getting what I need. So, do you know of any inexpensive, like all-inclusive destination trips that are truly kid-friendly? Um, something like Disney, I sounds like it's not very cheap. Yeah. So, anytime you put all-inclusive. That equals lots of dollar signs. <laughs> cha -ching, cha -ching. <laughs> like always, we rarely stay at all. Like the kid girls have only stayed in one house, like okay. ever. So inclusives are not at all. You you're paying for convenience, you're paying to not eat the resort at all. Disney trips also are not super cheap, but you can you can make Disney affordable but you're going to have to sacrifice. So we go to Disney often because we live in Florida. Um, and my father-in-law lives in Orlando. So it's like, we're always, um, can make it more affordable, but you have to understand that you sacrifice on experience. For instance, you can book. I've never stayed at a Disney resort out of my 32 years of life, I've lived in Florida for 18 years and I've never ever stayed at a Disney Resort. They are expensive. So one resort, can you stay in property? Can you stay in a vacation home, you know, instead? Um, two, you can bring your own food into Disney. So Disney allows you to bring whatever food and whatever drinks that you want to, um, it's not in a glass bottle. So when we go to Disney, um, the water, think are like four or five dollars for like a 20 ounce sani wow yeah so 
I bring my own case of water that I buy from the store for 99 for an entire case of water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I bring that with me. And even now, even though my kids are like, older and don't really need to use a shower. I use it as the back, bottom of the basket as my just keep everything in there. So bringing that and having like a cooler um, with that with food. Um, I remember we went to Disney. It was like my first time going to Disney. I guess as children, and we went and and we didn't we wanted to get to the park right when they open that way you know you can go on like the big ride before the lines end up being four mm-hmm. hours so we didn't eat breakfast and we went to the spot and i tell you i think we paid like 80 dollars for a kid's french toast and like eggs and pancakes for me and my husband oh my god and this family that was sitting next to us the kid's cereal which was like $11. Do you know what the kid cereal was? You know the little packets of cereal, the individual size <gasps> packets of cereal? Yes. That's what it was for $11. Yes. So that's robbery. It is. <laughs> so we eat breakfast before we go. We pack lots of snacks. <laughs> and dining like they have like you know the fries and burger or pizza uh-huh. and um those are those are much more full um, make it more affordable but of course that comes with the sacrifice of the experience if you want to sit at the sit-down restaurants it comes with the sacrifice of the experience so it's really just determining what's more important to you right. and plus my kids rather go to disney more than once a year and i mean of course because we live in florida but they so for that like they're okay with eating sandwiches that'd be packed. Right. So um, it's all about making a sacrifice. The same thing, even when we go on other trips too, a lot of times we'll stay in vacation homes. Like that allows us to have more space for the family, but also for us to have a kitchen where we can make some meals inside. And that means that we're able to spend more activities on our actual trip. So it's really about, it's really about making um, the most of what you can, but for true all-inclusive, um deals your best bet is finding like a deal on like a website or groupon and buying those deals that they offer that's going to be your cheapest option for all-inclusive because you're getting an extra extra deal okay so for going to disney do not buy the food there (laughs) pack your own or the water um so that you know you can do other things um and all-inclusive is typically going to be more expensive. Finding deals on, on travel zoos is like your best bet. Okay, those are great tips. You actually wrote a blog about like how you afford travel. And I, I read that. It was great. So you wrote a lot of great suggestions. So I will uh, link that to in our show notes. That way people can find out about that. Because I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface with um, sort of mm-hmm. like the how you how do you travel affordably? And then what's your advice for making those long distance flights, like with little ones work, like from the time of day to dealing with jet lag? What does that look like? So what we try to do is always get a a red eye flight for for long travel, especially going from the US to Europe because you're going to be leaving at nighttime here at 9 p.m. and you're going to be arriving there at like 8 a.m. 
So your kids can sleep the entire flight. You can sleep nice. the entire flight and they wake, you wake up and you're in, it's like, you're just starting a new day at home. So that makes Jedi seamless. Mm-hmm. Now for super long destinations, like a Thailand or Kenya, where it takes like almost 24 hours to get there, um, because there's no direct flights at all. You have to have a labor. Um, I always set my watch for the local time. I try to do it a day or a day before, but sometimes, you know, especially if you have kids in school or work, like you can't operate like that, but at least by the time we get on the plane and then I make them sleep or nap during the time that is in the destination. It's a pain at first. Listen, they want to watch movies. They ignore you. But everyone feels better when we actually go by it. So I'll say so that and and just eat. So I'll, okay, well, you guys stay up for like four hours, you know, but they need to go to sleep. And then even if I have to wake them up before they're waking up. I, I love you too. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We're sitting in the room. This episode about kids. Of course we have to have a little... Pop from the room. Love you, mom. Yes. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> no matter how many times I said, "Hey, guys, I'm gonna go on a call right now. You guys, please keep your voice quiet and leave mommy alone for a little." I'll never fail. But at least oh my gosh. Not. Right. <laughs> um, that's adorable. But um, yeah, even if that means I have to wake them up before they're ready to wake up online worth the sacrifice then that way we can get in the routine that way once we learn the destination it doesn't take as long to uh, you know to get over the flag and then when we do land it's you know if we land someplace in the morning fall going to sleep at like 2 p.m is like the worst thing that you can do because you're going to fall asleep and you're not going to take an hour nap Mm-hmm. you're going to fall asleep and you're going to sleep for six hours and then you're going to yes. wake up and you're going to sleep, you know? So I've done that. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> so we try, you know, the first day one light activity, but we're not, we're not booking our dream excursion on the first day, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're booking it's like, like an ease into the yeah, a ease into yeah. like let's land, get checked in, get something to eat especially with the kids do something that is fun for them. That is a day where like, I'm trying to find a park or a playground or, or maybe that's my children's museum day. If I'm going to incorporate that into the scenario, because I'm so excited that sleep is the last thing on their mind. That way they last until the nighttime so they can go to sleep right. and get a good night's rest. So super easy first day and try to be outside like outside where they can run around, where they can have a good time, where they can, you know, they, they, these kids, even though they're tired, they don't want to sleep and they're doing something fun. So use that and that helps a lot. That's great. Are there creative childcare options while you're traveling? I mean, I guess if you wanted to have some like alone time with your partner, you don't have a nanny. So you know, it's multiple ways. So if we don't like one, if you are staying at an all-inclusive, uh, I love the all-inclusive we say when we went to Jamaica last year, because yeah, we had a kids club, you know, they had a kids club and we could drop the kids off, you know, for X amount of hours a day. Same thing you can do on a cruise. We love cruising and the kids club there, my girls absolutely love it. The last time we went on a cruise, 
it's free until 10 p.m. And then, so like my husband, like got them some light food, dropped them off, you know, like got them food for them, dropped them off. And then me and my husband went to have dinner by ourselves. And nice. then we hung out after that. We went to like a show or something. And then we came to Cleveland at 10 o'clock and they were not ready to go at all. They were like, we want to stay longer. So we were like, wow. 10 p.m. But we paid for another two hours for them to stay and then went and had more fun by ourselves. So cruising is great. Stay in place with the kids club. Um, I've personally never hired a babysitter or a nanny abroad or even in another state. There are people that do it. They get, they get recommendations and that's something that they're into. For me, it's just not my style. I, pref- I feel more comfortable with the kids club because, you know, it's like, especially if it's at a hotel, I know that it's regulated that the hotel doesn't want, you know, a bad name and there's multiple people there watching and tons of kids. So I feel more comfortable, but I know Mm -hmm. lots of people that do um, get babysitters. We also like to travel with other people for this. Um, So multi-gen travel. built-in babysitters. Exactly. So we've done it with my parents quite a few times. They'll always give my husband and I like a day or a night out. Um, We've also done it with other couples. So that also helps because then like, if it's like me and the girls, we can go have a girl's night and guys can stay and watch the kids. And the guys can have a guy's night and me and the ladies can stay. And then each couple can go and have a couple night and the, you know, the other watch the kids. So many options. So many options. So we like to do that as well. Um, And then also um, another reason why we have vision and vacation homes is because you're not in a hotel room where everyone's in the same room. So we can literally put the kids to bed in their room and go to the living room or wherever else in the house and have alone time by ourselves too if we don't have a babysitter. And then yes, it's more creative because you're having a date night at home, but we can still watch a movie, you know, by ourselves. You know, if we rent a vacation home with a pool, we can go in the pool and relax, you know, or, you know, in the backyard or whatever the case may be, even if we don't have anyone else with us. Right. There's just more options of like space when you're in a vacation home. Yeah. So what is a trip experience you would tell parents that like they absolutely need to do with their kids? I'm sure there are more than one, but. Yeah, so many more. I mean, I don't know. It really, it really depends on like what, your family like to do and what they're interested in. I, I think that's key because for me still, like Kenya was just amazing. Like being able to take our kids on a safari, have that experience with them, being able, you know, to take them to a Masa Mara tribe and, and, and do all that we did there. That was definitely amazing. But our, our top five is Kenya Mor- in no particular order, Kenya, Morocco, Costa Rica, Brazil, uh, Thailand, uh, our RV road trip, Southwest U.S. RV road trip. Oh my God! Since then we've been on so many RVs. My kids are obsessed with RVs now. And then, like honorable mention, and I don't include it in my top five because I am Jamaican, so I know I'm biased. And it's like not. I don't consider it top five because it is it for me. But like, I love Jamaica. So, but those those other places are listed definitely like being able to go to the Sahara desert with my kids and like be just in the sand dunes with them and do all that we did to give them experience and experience it with them was just amazing. And, you know, you, when you mention 
like your kid, when you describe your kids on a safari, seeing the animals, like, I can't imagine how much their minds were just like expanded. I mean, mine would, I would be blown away, but I just can't imagine like a child who is still like learning and absorbing so much, like how much that shapes them and, and their reality and what they think is like possible and what they know of the world. I mean, that's that, I think that's just such an amazing experience to give to children. It's, exactly. it sounds pretty like, awesome. And they were just in like my four-year-old before the early by like midweek, she was literally sitting in the front with tour guide and she was and she's like okay she learned so much okay guys on the left we have an ostrich and it's a male ostrich and i know it's a male ostrich because its neck is pink and the male ostriches have pink necks and the female ostriches have gray necks and she's just like like and then we see like a topi it's kind of like an antelope ish in that family and she's like run topi saw the cheetahs get your friend the other day you have to get away and like oh all these things, like, literally yes then like all the things were been and and even like we went and we did a euro trip and we're leaving belgium and we're back to amsterdam from belgium and on the train there was another little girl that my da- older daughter started to play then and they speak french and she didn't speak English, and my daughter doesn't speak French. They played the entire train ride and figured out how to game that mm. my daughter didn't know how to play. These little kids were able to communicate with their hands and with their motions or whatever to figure it out. And those types of connections is what's so important to me because world is a ugly place sometimes, but when I know that my child knows that she doesn't have to be scared of other people that look different, that speak differently than her. And she can have amazing experiences and learn how to communicate without knowing how to speak another language. Like those are the moments for, and it's like why we do make the sacrifices that we make to be able to travel with them because those are things I never learn in school. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Things that they can only learn by having these real world sort of life experiences and it's very much sort of normalizing um differences like that's the normal that people are different from you and that's okay um and and how can you connect kind of thing um you know she has having those experiences of connecting to people who like you said don't speak the same language don't maybe not look like her and just having that experience, I think, is so invaluable, um, you know, especially especially because we can kind of get in our own little worlds and not like look up and exactly. <laughs> see what else is out there. Um, and then so what is the travel accessory that you've bought that you would say like, this is totally worth the money? Um, something, I guess, it doesn't have to be toddler related, but any sort of travel accessory where you're like, I can't live without it. I know you mentioned the kit, you're a big carrier person. So what number one for Ergo baby carrier, that's just the one that personally used and loved and use it with both of my girls use the same one for six years. So they last like it's been everywhere with us. And um, is it a certain like brand? 
the Ergo Baby is the brand that I that Ergo I Baby. Love. There's tons okay. of brands like there's Baby Bajorn, there's other brands, but personally, I've used I've used Ergo Baby and absolutely love them. It's what I get every single. And also, we travel with car seats a lot, so tr- uh, car seat transport is also like key. It basically turns the car seat into a stroller. And car seats are heavy, like convertible car seats are like 25 to 30 pounds. Like no one driving that, like carrying that in their hand at the airport. So my kid can sit in it, get strapped in, and then I can also pull it. So I'm not you know, having achy back or anything like that. So those two things I leave. Like, well, now I do leave without a carrier because November was the last time I used it. I'm sad about that. That's my motherhood. Had to retire it. Yeah. But but yes, the car seat transporter, we, yeah, always, it's a lifesaver. Nice. Um, This isn't on my list of questions, but have, have you and your family been to New Zealand? We have not. I've been to Australia, but New Zealand. Okay. And I should have went when I was in Australia because so much closer, but didn't have time. Yeah, I just could see your you and your family just hearing the way you guys travel, like just loving it there. So um, I know you'll get there one day. I'm sure you have a list. Of, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so just to, to wrap up, uh, my final question is, what was your most meaningful travel experience? So when I was in high school, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I got a ship for this program called Experiment in International Living. I got to go to Botswana um, five weeks. It's um, a country uh, just north on the north border of South Africa. And I got to stay with a host family in a village for two weeks. I got to go camping in the Okavanga Delta for a week, do Habitat for Humanity another week, and just explore. And that was just amazing because connection that I got with the family that I lived with is, you know, a connection that you, you don't often get when you travel, um, to really be able to see how the locals live, how they, you know, how everything about them and for them to welcome me into their home and teach me so much about their culture. And then for me to be able to give to the country by doing Habitat for Humanity and building homes and in, in less fortunate areas in the country and then being able to go camping in the Okabanka Delta. And there were so many things encompassed in that trip um, that it was amazing and definitely changed, you know, my life and how I view travel and all of that. So um, that sounds like a really amazing experience and were you interested in travel before that like before that high school experience and and like when did that travel bug kind of or have you always had it or yeah I was definitely interested in travel before then um as a first generation American I had my passport from the day I was born because I had to go back to Jamaica with family all the time so you know we go to Jamaica and my parents also travel so they weren't, you know, they weren't able to take me on like, you know, all these international trips that I'm able to take my kids on. But I have pictures, you know, before car seats were a thing, like sitting in the on the lap of my mom in the backseat with two of her sisters. We lived in New York and we would go South Carolina, like whatever the case may be, and then also going other places with them. So travel was something that I think has been ingrained and instilled in me from from birth, um, especially. Be- 
African American and 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 loving it. But I would say that that trip, like I enjoy travel, but I think that that trip, unique experience that it was, really made a difference for me in not only my love for travel, but how I chose to travel as well. And it sounds like you probably didn't really stop traveling from that point yes, on. Never did. I studied abroad in college and. Oh, where did you study abroad? In Beijing, in China. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. And so now you're just unstoppable traveler <laughs> with two kids in tow. <laughs> exactly. Very cool. Well, Monet, thank you so much for chatting with me and answering my questions. I feel like I asked you a lot of things. I'm excited to, to share this with people. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, guys, I hope you were inspired by Monet to get out there and travel with your kids. We didn't get to talk about this, but I wanted to mention that Monet has also written children's books about traveling. She is the author of the Traveling Child Goes series. Check that out and you can find out more about Monet by going to her website, thetravelingchild.co and following her on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast if you love it and leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Have a wonderful week.